Hope Church, thank you so much for having me. Allow me to bring God's word to you this evening. I just love not only being in God's word, but then seeing how God speaks to me, works in me, and then allows me to bring this to you. Then we get to work it out and figure this faith thing out together. It's just awesome. That's really the second piece as to why I love community groups. And we're soaping through these sermons together, fleshing out what it means to be a person of faith, to follow Christ, to love and to serve and to mess up and still be forgiven, right? Because Jesus just loves and forgives. Anyway, this evening we're in Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2, starting in verse 13, going to the end of the chapter, and we're still looking at God's kingdom, His kingdom come on earth. And we're going to see a ton of moving parts this evening, but it's going to be it's going to be awesome. Maybe I'm a little biased, but it's going to be awesome. So jump with me into verse 13, the escape to Egypt. <clears throat> when they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you for Herod is going to search for the child and kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophets, Out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he was outwitted by the Magi, he was furious, and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity, who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets, that he would be called a Nazarene. God's plans, purposes, and promises will be completed. God's plans, purposes, and promises will be be completed. Let's let's set the scene here, if you will, for God's sovereignty. We're going to do some historical context. So about 587 BC, Jerusalem fell to the Babylonians and King Nebuchadnezzar, maybe you've heard the name, as foretold by God because of their disobedience. So you can go back to Jeremiah chapter 40, verses 2 and 3. God tells Nebuchadnezzar to let Jeremiah go because he was captured uh, with Israel as well. Then Gedaliah is appointed as governor of Judah by King Nebuchadnezzar. 
Then something happens and about six months later, Ishmael, who's actually a descendant of that original king of Judah, goes in, assassinates Gedaliah. And then we get these small spy-type assassination battles going back and forth, really. And so these Jews, fearing repercussion and, and bigger issues because they've been killing so many people that belonged uh, to the Babylonians, that they escape to Egypt. So these Israelites, along with Jeremiah the prophet, settled among five Egyptian cities. And you can read that uh, in chapters 39 through 44, really throughout Jeremiah, but Jeremiah chapter 39 through 44, you'll get that uh, context. Let's fast forward, right? About 255 years later, it's a long time gap. We get Alexander the Great conquering Egypt. And then these Jewish communities among the five cities, they prosper under the Greeks or the Greek pharaohs at this time, right? They adopt Greek as their native language, their cultural styles. So what happens is, as would with any of us, the younger generations grew up unfamiliar with Hebrew. So they made a Greek translation of the Hebrew scriptures for these Greek-speaking Jews, which we get the Septuagint from, right? Then the Jews build their own Jewish temple near the city of Memphis, which is, again, one of the five cities, which not only is foretold in Jeremiah, but it also fulfills prophecy out of Isaiah chapter 19. It's amazing stuff. In Isaiah 19, uh, verses 18 through 21. Let's time skip again. We'll fast forward about 100 years. Now we get Augustus Caesar, who defeats Mark Antony and Cleopatra VII, and so Egypt is now under the rule of the Roman Empire. Again, a ton of moving parts throughout history, right? And so within this context, Joseph and Mary escape with baby Jesus to Egypt in about 405 uh, BC. And there was already this large Jewish community. Some scholars say about a million people amongst these five cities. And so that's where they would go. Now, they really wouldn't look like the Hebrews that lived in Israel and Jerusalem, but they would be still Hebrews that just took on maybe a Greek slash Roman culture. We might uh, actually encounter them again later on in Matthew. You might have heard of the Hellenistic Jews. Well, there were some rifts there as well. This is why they took on a Greek-Roman culture, all right? So the Lord said, get up, take the child and his mother, right? Escape to Egypt. Why? So it was fulfilled what the Lord had said that through the prophet, out of Egypt, I called my son. You know, God says that he works in ways that are not our ways, right? He works in mysterious ways. We don't know how God will use the rise and the fall of nations, the migration of people from other lands, and the obedience of individuals. But what we do know is that God's plan, His purposes, and His promises will be completed. It's just about where you and I fall in line, really. Then there is uh, this immediate submission, I call. 
I would I would say obedience, but it's it's so much more than just a nodding of the head. It's more than saying, I hear you, God. Okay, I'll do it. See, submission says, I hear you, and I'm committing my life to this moment of your leading. So you're looking into the future of what God potentially has for you without knowing what he has for you, but it's going to start in this moment. Not my will, but your will be done, Father. That's what you're saying here. So an immediate submission. I look to Mary in Luke chapter one. Mary, upon hearing the news that she would give birth to Jesus, she says this, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. What does it entail in life? What's going to happen? I don't know. But God, you said it. I'm submitting to that. We'll see this immediate submission play out through the book of Matthew and God call individuals, right, to, to move and to change their lives, to drop things and just follow him. This ability and willingness of people to move and do when God says so. What I don't see is the hesitation, the, I'm going to go pray about that, right? Or I need an itinerary, Lord, or I got to check all the facts. And I know this makes people uneasy to not have all the facts, but that's the thing about faith. It's not just believing in God, but believing God and taking God at his word because God says so. Joseph built his discipline of living this way. And so we see in Matthew chapter 119, it says, Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law. He knew how God worked, how God spoke, because he knew what God said through his word. So when a message came, he was able to move. In verse 24 of chapter 1, it says, When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. All right, Lord, you said it. I was leaning this way, but God, you said it. I'm submitting myself to you. In chapter 2, God says, as we just read, Get up, take the child and his mother, and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you. So what does he do? He got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt. See, Herod's threat is imminent. Herod's threat is real. Joseph doesn't even know the time of Herod's actions. He doesn't know the conversations in the palace. He has no idea the conversations among government officials. But what he does know is that God said it was a done deal and he's got to move. So Joseph immediately submitted. He heard it. I'm going to go. I love Psalm chapter 34 and 19. It says, the righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. Genuine faith requires immediate submission. And genuine faith expects opposition. And really in varying degrees, right? It's not always going to be a drastic moment where you're just picking up, right? Leaving life as it is and moving cross country, but daily, making those daily decisions to say, not just, yes, I hear you, Lord, but no, your will be done, Father, in this moment now. That affects life for the future. Jump with me in verse 16. When Herod realized 
that he had been outwitted by the Magi. He was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. There's, there's no way around this one. It is what it is. The evil that Herod did. But what we come to understand is that when God intervenes and interjects himself into our world, evil will ramp up with destruction. God had a massive plan right here with Christ being the savior of the world. Evil took out the babies, the innocent children. Same thing back in Egypt with Pharaoh and Moses. When God is doing a big thing that changes people's lives for eternity, evil will ramp up with destruction. Satan knows and understands this, that God completes his plans, his purpose, and his promises. But instead of immediate submission, he rebels and destroys. That's really what you're weighing here. You're moving in the vein of knowing that God's going to complete what he said he's going to complete and complete what he started, and you're going to submit to his will or you're going to rebel. To not move in God, to not submit to God's plans, to not move in his direction is an act of rebellion, which is from the kingdom of darkness. The sad thing is that this isn't Herod's first time using his power for evil and the destruction of lives. He's done it with his own family. So for him to move in this way, it's kind of like, whatever, you're threatening me, I'm done. And so he takes the lives of these innocent children. Verse 19, after Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. And he said, get up, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. For those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, which was north of his original intent. And he went to live in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene. You know, as I read this portion here, something stood out to me, and it's that we get these five dreams. We get five dreams and their warnings, right? Spoken to the Holy Family. But of the five dreams and the warnings, this is the first one here, right here in verse 21, that we aren't given privileged information as to what was stated. But Joseph is now seen as a human. A lot of times we, we see these heroes of the faith in the family and it's like, man, I wish I could do that. Until we realize, oh, they are just regular human beings, right? And so we see Jesus, uh, Joseph pulled back as a human, as a father coming back with his toddler, 
as a father remembering why he left in the first place. All we know is that he feared Herod's son, even though God said that it was safe and that he would withdrew to the district of Galilee, which is Mary's uh, hometown. This is my speculation. I speculate that Joseph is given a moment of grace here. This is the first time we see a fearful reaction from him. And I believe God allowed this moment and worked through this feeling with Joseph. And while he was going back to Israel, back to maybe his hometown, right? Again, he had a vision and a dream and a warning. We don't know what the dialogue was. I speculate there was a moment of grace there, which then veered the direction to go up north. And still, even in that moment, God being able to fulfill prophecy. But it's so beautiful. Again, not only how God lays out plan even hundreds of years before we even know what's going on, and yet in this one moment, having this dialogue with man, just man, and how he's feeling. The sojourner's life is amazing. Right? Moving through a world that is not our own, living as citizens of heaven while residing on earth, flexing our faith when it would be stifled. God's looking for obedience, immediate submission. His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How are you wrestling with your faith in the day-to-day context of God? You said this, how does it play out? Lord, I want to fulfill your will. Would you guide me? Joseph is called a righteous man, not because of his own right, but because he knew the scriptures. He knew God's word. It's so simple, but we overcomplicate it. How are we going to God's word to understand how God speaks, to know the Father's voice, so that when he says, go, we can go. I'll end with a poem, The Sojourner's Faith. Though life is bleak, God sustains his plan. As I walk through the valley, it's a mere shadow of the first death. Imminent as it may be, I am safe in the master's hand. He comforts and protects. All creation obeys his command. Pray with me. Father God, I thank you that you are a master planner. God, you are sovereign. Lord, you literally move nations to be able to move individuals to a place where they need to be moved, Father God, so that your name is known, your power is known, your plan is known, and we know that you're a God of your word. You're a man of your word. Father God, that your plan is going to be completed, and we see it here in a humble family, a family that found favor with you, and you allowed them to raise Jesus, the Messiah, Jesus, the Savior, the one who takes away the sins of the world. Father God, as we interact with others, as we interact with people who are moving from nations and cities and place to place, 
Father God, may we see them as people who are maybe being led by your hand, by your sovereignty. And that when we interact with others, we interact with grace upon grace, with the truth that Jesus is King, yet he is tender and compassion and wants all people to know him. Father God, as we move through life as ambassadors in this world, may we be reminded and empowered, provoked even through your faith, through your spirit and love as we love on others. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen.